All right, man, I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm pressing in believing God for, for big things. And, uh, and the enemy's trying to stand against it. Don't let him use you. Were you on online? To create hindrances. Amen. Do you know he does that? Yes. Can I outthink God? No. I'm talking about David. No. Y'all don't think I'm smart enough to outthink God? No. Oh, you're right. I can't even come close. So, do you think God <clears throat> would place on my heart to do the things that we're doing, pushing for, if it wasn't resident within the house? Amen. Do I need to connect the dot here? An extra set of hands? An extra set of talent? An extra set of money? An extra set of anything? Whatever we need to accomplish the purposes of God. How many, how many knows we've got some huge faith projects going on? Amen. You think we don't have the ability to do it? See, if we have the ability to do it, then that means we all play a part in the doing of it. Do we see ourselves as that? Well, there's nothing really I can do, liar. Because that means I can outthink God. So what does the enemy do when, he, when somebody gets on a faith project this works in your life also. Because there's some things that I can stand, me and God, and we can get it fixed. Healing in my body. I don't have to have... Now, there's a provision if you don't have the faith to deal with it, that you can call on the elders of the church. There's ways to agree in faith. But I don't have to have somebody to help me do it. But if there's a project where, where dynamics are going to go on, I might not have the skill set to do everything. And so I need somebody else. Because if one person in the whole scheme of everything could do everything, what would there be a need of a body that's fitly joined together? Uh, you know, everything in life costs money and the cost of money is going up. And everybody, most people around the world are, are turning inward to make sure that their money life works. But God said, I, I've given you a way out of it. So when you shall reap. So no one person has uh, the elements. In fact, a good example of that would be money because no one person has all the provision for everything because that's, that's a unifying force of the body standing together and God's not a counterfeiter. You know, we probably have somewhere around 100 uh, people that call this church theirs. They don't all show up every single service. Don't let the devil ever use you to hinder things, but um, that's the second point. Um, do you know, very, very low numbers. If, if every person that would call this their place believed God for $1,000. Now, you think that's hard for God to do $1,000? I mean, $1,000 is not really that much money, right? But how much money would that equate to? $100,000. Now, is $100,000 a significant amount of money? Absolutely. So God needs people to be able to do things in order for things to get done. Uh, I, I would challenge you because the days are getting darker to, to get this figured out because our ability to rise above the darkness 
and live above darkness. Arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness shall cover the ears. Gross darkness, gross darkness the people. Uh, but uh, my light shall uh, shine upon you. See, in order for us to live at that realm, I've got to put in action the spiritual attributes of the word of God. If my focus is on me, then I'm going to short circuit the whole process right then because God wants to flow through me. We used to say this, got it from another preacher, but the pipe that carries the water always stays wet. See, if the water doesn't flow, the pipe will become dry. Does that make sense? We've got to allow God to flow through us. Well, praise the Lord. I'm ministering on the name of Jesus. This is probably about my third week, and I'm talking about the power in the name. In fact, there's a song, and I think we sing it, sing it. There's power in the name of Jesus. Probably anybody that's been a Christian, you know, for six months or more knows there's power in the name of Jesus. You ever heard that phrase? Amen. Have you ever found, don't answer me because I'll, I'll challenge you on it, the power in that name? Because most people don't live at that realm. They invoke the name. They've gotten answers to prayers for a thing or two. But, but if there's power in the name... There is also a consistency of power in that name. It's not a, whoo, man, I got my, well, praise God, man. I'm shocked it even happened. Well, you didn't get it by faith. There's a, there's a uh, Mark chapter 1, somewhere around verse 40, 40, 41, there was a leper that came to Jesus. And he says, I know that you're able, but will you heal me? And it says that Jesus was moved with compassion and healed him. <clears throat> now, he had an element of faith because he went to Jesus. He believed in Jesus that, man, this guy heals the sick. I wonder if he'll heal me. He didn't have a confidence in his faith. He went to Jesus and Jesus was moved with compassion. What healed the man? Compassion. I, I, I would venture to say that most Christians who get answers to prayer are getting them from compassion. Because a lot of times they're shocked when they get it. A lot of times they give up before they get it. They haven't applied the laws of faith. Now there's a, a, a lady with an issue of blood. She came to Jesus. And she said, if I may touch the hem of his garden, garment, um, I will be healed. And she pressed through the crowd something that would cause death to her because she was unclean. So she loved not her life, even to death, to press toward the answer. And when she touched the hem of his garment, Jesus said, who touched me? Now, if you read it, the, the crowd was thronging him, meaning they were trying to touch him. They were trying to grab. Nobody was getting healed from touching him except one person. And the disciple says, what do you mean? Who touched you? Everybody's touching. He said, no, no virtue. Power has gone out of me. The authority Power has gone out of me. And he turned around, he saw the woman, and she told him everything that had happened to her. And he says, woman, your faith has made you whole. Now, now she moved to a different realm than the leper who was, who was dependent upon compassion. Jesus moved with compassion. Somewhere or another, what he said moved Jesus. What if Jesus was in a bad mood that day? The man would have been an annoyance. But this woman didn't need Jesus to be moved. She just needed to touch him. Now, if you study it out, you're going to find that a lot of people after her got healed by touching him also. 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. The story went around. They heard it. They believed it. Well, if I could touch him, I can be healed too. But then there was a man that came to him who was a centurion. He was an Italian. He wasn't of the Jewish uh, people. Uh, He was a military leader. And he says uh, uh, to Jesus, my servant lies at home sick. Uh, Would you heal them? And uh, Jesus says, yeah, I'll come to your house. He says, you don't have to come to my house. I understand what you're doing. You're a man under authority. I'm a man under authority. He was a military leader. He says, I tell this man, go, and he goes. I tell this man, come, and he comes. I tell this man, do this, and he does it. Because I'm under authority. I see that you're under authority also. I'm paraphrasing the story, but if you study it out, you'll find it's accurate. Uh, uh, All you need to do, because you're under the authority of the Father, is speak the word, and, and my servant will be healed. Confidence. Jesus said... I have not found such great a faith in all of Israel. Now, that would include John the Baptist, who he said was the greatest of all prophets. Now, let's bring it down to our lives and what we're going through. Are we the leper? Oh, God, oh, God, please heal me. Please heal me. Please deliver me. Please. Oh, give this. I need a breakthrough in this. I need a. Oh, God, my God, my God. Please, please, please. Are Are we the leper? Do we know who we are and we're just going to go into the throne of grace and lay hold on the altar of God in the spiritual realm and cause things to happen? Or can we see it in the word and start walking it out because God said it? See, this comes from an understanding of the spirit realm. Now, I've used David and Goliath and we see And we know that it's not just verbalization. Any Christian that's been a Christian anytime, they pray in the name of Jesus, don't they? Wait a minute, there's power in the name, right? They pray in the name of Jesus and then they hope that God will do it. Do do you see the disconnect? They'll, They'll bind in the name of Jesus and then wonder if it will be bound. See, there is power in the name of Jesus. Now, if that were on the scale of power, is it kind of like, you know, around a a city government, that kind of power? Or maybe a state government or maybe a federal government or maybe a, a far above any power? See, do you really believe that the power of God is greater than a nuclear bomb? So you're telling me, according to Scripture, that though a thousand fall at my right hand and ten thousand at my side, it shall not come near me. That if, a, if an atomic bomb, if a nuclear bomb was dropped in your city, you could withstand it and come out the other side because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Okay, but, but it's, I, mean, I mean, you really got to check yourself on this because it's one thing to say, yes, I believe it. And it's another thing. I mean, you just get an electric bill that's $75 too much and you're... You're all discombobulated. See, if there's power in the name of Jesus, then there's a power that you and I can can tap into, walk in, live in, that nothing moves us. David, when he went into the camp, and Goliath started talking his smack, and the army of Israel turned and looked, he never gave any position to fear. And then when somebody says what the king would do to the man that killed him, he says, wait, 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 
what's a king going to do? I'll go kill him. And then when he went out to kill him, he's got no armament on. He's got no weapons of warfare, you know, as warfare in the day. He's just got a staff and a slingshot. And Goliath is mocking. You guys are going to send a little boy out to kill me? I will feed you to the fowls of the air. David let him do his talking smack. Then he says, this day, I'm going to remove your head because I come in the name of my God. He relied upon it didn't matter how big Goliath was. It didn't matter what he was saying. This was a covenant thing. And our covenant has a name. It's called Jesus. And if I have this covenant and I understand the covenant, then there is nothing that can beat me because Jesus has overcome the world. We've got to get this fear out. Now, go to Philippians uh, chapter 2. Amen. This reality of the covenant is going to affect the reality of fear in our life. If you have fear in your life, it's only because you don't understand the covenant. There's a lot of people, no, I understand Jesus. I understand he, he, God came in the flesh, died on the cross, all my sins, raised from the dead. But, but they're still struggling. They can't beat anything in life. So they heard the story. They understood the story. But the reality of the story is not resonant within them. Are you following me? Philippians chapter 2, verse uh, 4. Look not every man on his own things. Now, one of the things, don't look on the natural realm. Don't look at what you've got to get you through what you need to get through. Don't look on your own things as when you're looking at life, how is this going to affect me? Because most people live their life on, I've got to take care of me first. I've got to make sure I get what I need, what I want. Then on the residual, I'll do something for God. He says, uh, verse four, look not every man, that's all of us, on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So from here, we need to be a need meter. Not a need taker. Oh, I need this. Oh, I need that. Well, I, I, yeah, I can't do that because I need. No, God said he would supply all of our. In fact, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus said, don't seek all the things that everybody else is seeking. What to wear, what to eat, what to live in, what, you know, all these natural things. He said, seek first my system of operation, kingdom of God. And all those things will be added. Then he, he even in there in that same place is look at the birds uh, or look at the lilies of the field, how they, they don't do anything. They're just there. And I take care of them. The birds, they, don't, they, they just go out and the food is there. Uh, the place to sleep is there. See, this is when it starts coming down to the reality of who is the source of my life. Verse five. 
verse 5. So, but every, verse 4, but every man on, on also on the things of others. We should be looking out, out how to meet needs. Now, that doesn't mean you have to meet every single need. I haven't got to verse 5 yet. Because a lot of persons, especially if you preach like this, they'll come to you and say, would you meet my need? We're led by the Spirit. God will take us to, to the needs that we can meet and he will bless us for it. But, but if I met every need that I get an email on from a foreign country, we would never have any money. I, I, I had one person uh, write me here just like within this month or at the end of November that they wanted to do a Christmas program for the kids uh, in their community and they wanted something like $25,000. Man, I could do a big Christmas thing. What kind of Christmas thing are you doing? Going to Tahiti on vacation? Um, all right. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I bet you we know this. Jesus, did Jesus walk around wondering if he would have food for the day? No. Did Jesus walk around wondering if uh, his mortgage payment was going to be met? He did have a house. A lot of people like Dory doesn't have a place to, uh, but he had a house in Capernaum. And uh, w w did Jesus walk around wondering if he could be safe? No. Did Jesus walk around wondering if, if his body would be well? Okay, now let's go back to this verse. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Do you ever wonder, walk around wondering if, if you're going to stay well? Got quiet. You know, nobody wanted to answer that. <laughs> Do you ever wonder if you're going to be able to meet the needs of life? Mortgage payment, car payment, different things like that. Do you ever walk around wondering if uh, you can stay well? I might have already said that. Uh, let's go back to verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, now, Jesus had a mindset. Jesus had a manner of thinking. Jesus did not look, I, I'm all for budget, living on a budget, being a good disciple over your money, a good steward over your money. But Jesus did not live on a budget. Well, I can't do that because my budget says this. Because he knew he had all things. Now, he was a good steward because he had a treasure. He had somebody accounting for the money. Uh, the one, he was a thief, but, uh, you know, he put somebody in charge of that to take care of everything. Let this same mind be in you. Can you live with the same mindset as Jesus? Well, you can, Romans 12, too. Uh, uh, be not conformed to this world, but you transform through the renewing of your mind. You can have the same mind because he says, let this mind be in you. But now you know what the problem with that is? You and I have an understanding of how things work, where we're at, what we can do, how far we can go, and when is it too far, and when would it become dangerous to us? But we all knew, everybody gladly answered, they just didn't know I was going to come back and turn it to us when everybody went silent, that Jesus did not struggle with life. It's an amazing thing. I mean, you just take it down to a low, 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 swing low, sweet chariot, to the low part. We can't even let somebody be themselves without interjecting our opinion 
and smacking off to him. Can somebody have a different opinion of you than you and it be okay? The closer the relationship, the harder it gets. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, let's, let's see if we can't figure out, let this mind be in you. Like, what mind? What mindset? Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, he said, let this mindset be in you. Now, he's ta- not talking about the Lucifer approach that he thought he was better than God. He's talking about Jesus operated as though every provision of heaven was available to him. If he needed to hide himself, he just hid himself. He stepped over into the realm of the spirit, walked right by him where they couldn't see him, stepped back out. If he needed something, oh, got to pay my taxes. Hey, go down there to the river, catch a fish. First fish you catch, it'll have the tax money in its mouth. Fish all night, nothing. Ah, no, this ain't right. Let's throw it out on the other side. Well, it's morning. No, it doesn't matter. Let's throw it out. We're going to catch fish right now. Let this mind be in you. Who being in the form of God. Now, are you in the form of God? You're created in the image of God. Who being in the form of God. You are a spirit being. You have the spirit of God inside of you. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery or, or translation. I'm not stealing anything from God to believe that what God is who dwells within me, I can live in it also. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Most humans want reputation in the sense of they want to be acknowledged as somebody with something. That's why the church world today is so big on titles. That I've got this title, that I'm this, I've heard from God. You better be careful when you say that, because if you didn't really hear from God, you're taking his name in vain. If God didn't say it and you think you heard it. Now, we've all missed God and thought that we heard him. But you better make sure before you put God's name on it. Because you may just be lying. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now, if he was made in the likeness of men, then in the likeness of men, we can operate in what he had. Because we are men. Made in the likeness of God. He was God, made in the likeness of men. We are men, made in the image of God. When I say men, I I mean humankind. King James, men includes women. I know it's not politically correct, but... It's still now being found, verse eight, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, this is where it starts breaking down for us, because to humble ourselves means to bring ourselves lower. Most, a lot of people are trying to get reputation. They want to be known as something. So they lift themselves up, exalt themselves up, try to be something holy. He made himself as a servant. How can I serve you? How can I help you? I like Dr. David Robinson, uh, who I'm talking about bringing out this year. Um, uh, in all of his emails, everything, his, his closing line is, how can I serve you? It's like, I'm here to help you. Most people are, how can you help me? 
I'm going someplace. I hope, I hope you follow me along here. Y'all quiet this morning. So, verse 9, Wherefore God also highly exalted him. So how did he get exalted? Because he humbled himself, became obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross. Remember that phrase. I'm going to come back to it. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now, he was given a name, Jesus, that is above every name. The name of Jesus is above the name of war. The name of Jesus is above the name of poverty, debt, and lack. The name of Jesus is above any uh, medical name that you can come up with. Has given him a name. Now, has he given us that name? So did it lose power from when he was given the name to when we were given the name? So then why is power lost when we invoke the name? Because we don't understand the name. Many people struggle with this because their name means nothing to them. Now, if somebody said, oh, so-and-so is coming over. Do you not... I mean, that puts a picture in your mind of that person. Uh, I've said it many times about my father-in-law, uh, who, you know, uh, he was Mormon. We never found that he was Christian or really gave his life to the Lord. But the one thing I've said about many times, uh, he's a really nice guy, man. He's the, he's the kind of guy that would give you the shirt off his back to help you. Because he, that, that's what his name was. That what is like when somebody says your name, do they put valuables away? When somebody says your name, so-and-so is going to be here at 9.30. They say, okay, well, I got to go run some errands. I'll be back at 10. Well, they're supposed to be here at 9.30. Oh, they're never on time. Mm. So your name says something. Oh, flaky. I don't want to say name because it's your name. But oh, flaky so-and-so. All of our names say something. Amen. You depend upon people to the level of what their name means to you. Now, wait a minute. We've been given his name. The, 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 the reality of his name will never rise higher than the reality of our name. Amen. Because if I can't keep my word, if I say things and don't do it, how can I believe that he will say things and we'll do it. That's true. But you know, there's a lot of Christians that say things and don't do it. Amen. Now, he's been given a name that is above every name. <clears throat> what is my view of that name? Well, many Christians will talk about, you know, oh no, I know the name of Jesus, it's powerful and everything like that. But it can't be that the name is always powerful because we have the story in the Bible of seven sons of Sceva. You remember that story? Yeah. So there's a man, devil-possessed. And so they decided, because they saw the operation of Paul, that, that at the name of, of Jesus, devils bow. They have no power. And so they, they, they said in the name of Jesus, we adjourn you, we, we bind you. And the devil just looked at him and said, 
Uh, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? Now, they verbalized the name. But on the man that they possessed, they riled him up and he jumped on him. He beat him out of town. So it can't just be at the name of Jesus. So if we're uh, one of the sons of Sceva and we're praying in the name of Jesus and we can't figure out why nothing's happening, it's because we don't understand the name. That name has power. And that power operates in our life. That power operates within us. And so he says, wherefore God hath exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow. Now, did he say some knees? Did he say maybe it'll work, maybe it won't work? He said at the name of Jesus. But you have to infer the understanding of the name. Why is it? Why legally is it that every knee will bow at the name of Jesus? See, if we cannot articulate that, if we don't understand that, then we're going to have a hard time invoking the name. If you're an ambassador of the United States, you're in a foreign country, they know that they can say things and it will be, unless uh, Secretary of State is Clinton, uh, that it will be, because they left our men there to die, But they know that in the legal sense, I can say something based on the name of the United States of America because the United States of America has empowered me to invoke the name. Why is it then when we try to invoke the name, we are wondering if the name will accomplish what it it was sent to accomplish? See, David... When Goliath's talking smack, he's not even giving any place to fear. He's not even thinking about him. He's just thinking, you know, who's this idiot out there yelling at everybody? Then when he heard the prize, he said, oh, I'll go kill him. You guys need somebody to go kill him? I'll go do it. There was no fear. Could he die in battle? Naturally, could he die in battle? Absolutely. But he had no, he had no fear of death. He had no fear of the giant. All he knew is, I've got a covenant with God This Philistine has no covenant. I can't lose. Every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. Everything that is created, that has a voice, that has a demonstration, has to bow to this name. But now it comes back to have the same mind. Have the same mind. Do I know that it will work? Or when it looks like it doesn't work, do I change gears? All right, let's go to Haggai chapter 2. If you don't know where Haggai is, go to Malachi. Turn left. First book you'll see is Zechariah. And then uh, the next book is Haggai. Amen. All right, Haggai chapter 2. Now, I, what I'm trying to do here is, is paint a bigger picture. And, uh, and I hope I can do this in a way that it is understandable uh, because most people kind of listen uh, at 
the Word of God kind of in a schoolroom setting where somebody's teaching something. But I'm trying to get you to see in the realm of the Spirit and what God does. Haggai chapter 2 says that in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month came the word of the Lord to the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shittil, governor of Judah, to Joshua, the son of Jezedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, to those, to those Jews that are left. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? Now, now I don't think there's anybody old enough in here were you, was anybody here at the day of Pentecost? Oh, okay. So, so none of us saw the day of Pentecost. None of us saw the church at Antioch. None of us saw the, the state of God's church in the beginning. Now, if you're old enough, which was like from about, um, I think about 1946, 1947, to about 1958, and then a residual effect like into the early 60s, there was a healing revival that went around the United States. I mean, you go into the, these uh, meetings with A.A. A. Allen, uh, Catherine Coleman, uh, Oral Roberts, uh, you know, all these names, uh, William Branham and all these different names. People were raised from the dead, blind eyes opened. Uh, these were like common occurrences, deaf ears unstopped, uh, lame walking. Uh, I mean, all these different things. If you were there... And especially if you attended any of the services where you saw these miracles going and then you look at now the church in 2023, you'd have to say, what happened? You know, somebody might say, oh, wow, God moved today in service. It's like I, I didn't see anybody get born again. I didn't see anybody healed. I didn't see any blind eyes opened. I didn't see any dead raised. Now get what he's saying here who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory. And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? If you take the church, painting with capital C, big church all around the world, where it is right now, let's say versus the church at Antioch, where people didn't even want to get close to them because of the power, because they called them, it's the first time they were called Christians, Christ ones. They operated in the same anointing as Christ. We could go back to, uh, to the Gospels where it says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In today's modern church, we bring them to church to get prayed for and we hope that God touches them. See, now if we're younger, and this is all we've ever known. We judge a good service by we got some goosebumps and we filled some things. But here through the prophet Haggai, he's saying, you, look at what it was and look at what it is now. Don't you see that what it is now is nothing? Can't we see that what it is right now is nothing? Oh, sure, we get prayers answered and we sing some good worship songs and we get some, some good messages and stuff like that. But is anybody afraid of you because of the power of the anointing of God that's on you? I don't want to get too close to them. And they, they got something going on, man. I, I just don't understand it. Or are they running, knocking at your door? Tell me about Jesus. I'm here a story of, of Smith Wigglesworth. He was riding a, a train across the UK, UK somewhere, going someplace. <clears throat> and he was just sitting there reading his Bible and the porter walked by. And as the porter walked by, he just fell to his knees and says, I'm a sinful man. Lead me to, to the Lord. He said nothing to him. 
the power of God was on him so much that as he just approached him, he was convicted of his sin. Who gets convicted of their sin when they come near you? See, many Christians just participate in the sin. Well, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel. Actually, let me, before I go forward, let me give you the big picture. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, we won't go there. Adam and Eve sinned. They're being expelled from the garden. God has come down. He's, he's clothed Adam and Eve. And he's dealing, tells uh, Adam something, tells Eve something. Then he starts talking to the serpent. So because you did this, one is he's going to crawl on his belly and eat the dust of the earth. Came as a serpent. So apparently at that time, serpents were like what I think about as a cobra who can get up pretty high, but it still has quite a bit of coil. They must have been really, you know, really high and just kind of scootered around on their tail or something like that. Uh, just side point. Uh, do you know that to kill a rattlesnake, all you have to do is cut off its tail? Just make sure it's right behind the head. Um, okay. So, so God says to Satan, because you did this, you're cursed. Now, you have to understand cursed. Cursed means there's a system outside of God, which is called blessed, where everything is working. You're empowered to succeed. You're empowered to move forward, move ahead. He says, you're, going to, you're now operating in a system that will not work. Now, many people define working by how well your life is, like, say, monetarily. Well, I got enough money, it's working. No, there's a lot of failure in the system. There's a lot of weight and burden on it. The blessings of the Lord maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. A lot of people who have money are still walking around in sorrow because they're carrying the weight of it. And so, now, I'm, I'm done with big picture. God created garden. Everything worked in there. No sin, no anything. It all worked. They had the power. Uh, Adam had the knowledge to name the animals, uh, to, to till the, expand the garden, everything they did. They fall. Immediately what God does is, I've got to get my man restored back to where I had him. And so he tells what? Adam, this is what you're going to go through. Eve, this is what you're going to go through. Serpent, this is what you're going to go through. And in that prom promise... He, he speaks of the seed of woman, Jesus, that was going to come and, and bruise the head of Satan. So then, then we move along and we get down to Abraham and God comes and makes a covenant with Abraham that he can overcome all things that anybody that opposes him, uh, they would be, uh, uh, God says that I, I'll bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you, gave him the right, the ability through the operation of faith to come up to a higher standard and that anybody opposes him, uh, God would be on his side. So if you, you go into one of the stories where three kings and their armies came in and took, they ended up taking Lot, his family and everything like that. Then Abraham takes his, his workers of the field, puts a sword in their hand, says, we're going to go battle, uh, go to battle. And he defeats three armies because he's blessed. He brought the blessing back in. Then we move a, a little bit further. We get down to Moses and God brings a, a glorious law in. Now, most people think of the law as something bad, but it was actually, it was God brought this law back in so God and man could commune. He's trying to get man back into what he's done. He's trying to get man back into a higher state. 
Then we come down to Jesus, you know, uh, and I, I'm, I'm shortening it down. Then we come down to Jesus. Jesus is walking around the face of the earth, bringing back the revelation of the power of God that was seen when, when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt and brought them into their promised land, starting to operate in, in signs, wonders, and miracles. People are like, man, we got to go see this man. We, we, we can be healed. We can be delivered. We can be, we can be, we can be, we can be. Then he dies to pay the price to bring this whole thing back together. And then we ha- he resurrects. And then we have Pentecost Sunday. When the outpouring of the Holy, Holy Spirit is poured out. Now man will walk in the power of the Spirit of God. And then we move down to, uh, many were added to the church. Then we move down to the church of Antioch. And it's not just the apostles It's not just the prophets, evangelists, and teachers, but everybody has the power of God to walk in and people can see God in them. And then we get, if you're here on Wednesday night, we read the seven letters to the seven churches that no longer exist. Why aren't those churches around anymore? So did God do all of this to bring down to our day a church where people are just focused on trying to figure out how to make it? Now, if he didn't, because most people don't start something to make it get worse. They start something to build upon it and make it great. Walmart, Sam Walton started a store, but he had a plan to take it somewhere. He didn't want just a store. He ended up with stores. He had his he had his his dog that he had, Roy. Roy dies. He said, well, I'm going to remember Roy. Now you go in and you buy old Roy dog food. I'm taking this. I'm going to leave a mark. I'm going to make it bigger. But in the church right now where it's going, we we get people born again. that haven't really committed their life to Jesus. And God's saying that this latter house, as this thing goes, the latter house is going to be more glorious than the former house. Verse four. Ye now be, be, yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, said the Lord, <coughs> saith the Lord, and work. Oh, wait a minute. Did my Bible really say that work? You got to do something? For I am with you, saith the Lord, according to the word that I covenanted. Now we get back to the covenant. This is where the power of the name of Jesus is in the covenant. Just as when David was going out to God, I come to you in the name of the God of Israel. What he was saying is I come to you based on covenant. You have no covenant. You can't win this thing. Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what sickness and disease says. It it has no power over the covenant. It doesn't matter what economies say. It has no power uh, over uh, anything that God said about economies. If we understand this, this covenant, that I have covenant with you when you came out of, of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. What's the very first thing he told them? Fear ye not. What's the very first thing he told Joshua? Fear ye not. 365 times in the Bible it says, fear ye not. Fear not. Yet many Christians in this latter-day church is living by fear. 
For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and earth, and the sea and the dry land. Now over in, I think it's Hebrews, he said that there's a shaking coming that will shake all things so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. I will shake the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, that the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. What is glory? The manifested presence of God. I said it the other day, the, a person that I, I, I know, that they were saying, man, the, the, the little Shekinah glory, a cloud filled the, the, uh, uh, the church house. Uh, where we were having service and, and caused me to preach on this, that, and the other, whatever it was, I don't remember. And that cloud stayed there until after we had left. They left when God was there. If it was really God and you walked away, what, you had to go get a hamburger? Watch this verse 8. Isn't this really weird? That in the middle of this powerful statement about glory in my house, that he says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says so, so the Lord. You think money don't matter? Jesus did not die so people can remain broke. People, Jesus did not die so that people can remain sick. Jesus did not die so that people can remain struggling. Verse 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place, in his house, will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, as we do this, we see our problem is that we measure our spiritual life by, am I making it okay? If I can make it, then I'm okay. I'm doing it. I, 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 my life is working. I'm able to do what I'm doing. I, I'm making it. Or... We measure our life about how we feel about our walk. Well, I feel I'm right with Jesus. Well, you better know and could be able to make a case that you're right with Jesus. What we do not do is judge our lives based on what we are overcoming. Because that's everything in the Bible is overcoming. Can I take his name and fight against what's fighting me and overcome it? And I tell you, in, in the natural realm, it's really hard if the answer doesn't come in 25 minutes. It's like, man, God, I've been praying. How come it hasn't all changed? We well, also said work. I've got to put my hand to something. I've got I've to put myself in alignment, in position with something. But let, let's move off there and go to Re Revelations chapter 12. Amen. Now we get over into the heaven arena. We're down almost to heaven, actually, down to the, when the two prophets were and stuff like that. Chapter, 11, chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame. Now, again, we see the overcoming. I, I tell you, if you can learn anything from me, overcoming is one of the biggest components of the Christian life. When something tries to get on you, sickness, whatever, you need to overcome it. Not overcome opening the can of chicken soup. Overcome what's trying to get on you. Amen. When money tries to take your money, you need to overcome it. 
When worry starts trying to get on you, you need to overcome it. When it's not going right, it doesn't look right, and you think everything is falling apart, you need to overcome it. We read it on Wednesday as we studied the book of Revelations, the seven letters to the seven churches, every single one, but to him that overcomes. And then there was a promise. You're not going to walk in the promise if you don't overcome. (coughs) Some of those promises are here on earth. Some of them are in heaven. But it says they overcame. By the blood of the Lamb. Now that's covenant speak. Because the name that we've been given, Jesus, was given to us by the sacrifice of the Lamb. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So... This, this is a Old Testament David and Goliath statement. They overcame by the covenant. David went to Goliath to tackle the giant and overcome him by the covenant. They overcame by the covenant. Your ability to do this is not hoping that Jesus provides a way. He's already provided a way. It's by you standing in faith in opposition to what's coming at you based on the covenant which has been given a name, the name of Jesus. Does that make sense? So they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Your word must glorify God. When David ran out there and, and, you know, you could take it from the negative side. Man, he had a giant. Man, this was horrible. Nobody in the army wanted to go fight him. But David's testimony was, you're going down, buddy. I'm going to take your head off with your own sword. The word of his testimony. Well, just look on on social media and the word of most Christians' testimony. They're telling everybody what they're going through, what their pain is, what their life is, what their need is. Oh, would you please pray for me that maybe God will do something on this? I'm just walking through through this thing and I need God. Saw somebody the other day that I knew. Oh, pray for us, man. We just got no money. We need God to do a miracle. And they have a very strong, strong stance on preaching that they, they tell everybody what they're doing wrong. You're going to hell if you don't believe my way. It's like, but your way don't work. By the word of their testimony. Are you sick? Yeah, how many Christians do? Are you sick? I heard your nose whistle while you're breathing. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we Christians, we fall down to the negative side? Oh, you don't look very good today. Well, thank you. Well, are you feeling okay? Is everything okay? How'd they overcome? By the covenant, the blood of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony. I live long, I live strong. Sickness and disease don't come against me. You know, people, because uh, I'm very open about that, that I'm not going to, I'm going to live, I'm going to prove that I can live off the word of God. Now, if I fall over dead, don't say the word didn't work. Just understand my faith didn't work. Because the Bible says we can live off the word of God. I'm going to prove that I can live. Well, what, what if you get something and you get diagnosed? Well, I've already been diagnosed. That's right. I've already been diagnosed. That's right. So I say it, I'll say, well, you better not say that. The devil will come in and make you sick. The devil don't have power. He's defeated. I'm not going to glorify Satan by what I'm going through. Now, is there ever oppositions in my life? Oh, like only every day. (laughs) I'm just going to overcome it. There's a lot of things that seem like they're not working based on my prayer. I'm just going to overcome it. I keep reminding God of his word. 
because his word said. And they love not their lives unto death. Now we're dealing with a fear statement. The love of your life is what keeps you walking in the faith that God's word will happen. I got to make it happen. It's not happening. It's, I, I've been praying for it and I've been believing. And, and, and let me tell you, it's been like half a day already and nothing's changed. I need to go do something about this. What if it takes six months? Yeah. I remember one time, stupidest prayer. Don't ever pray this prayer. I was going through some things on a business side <laughs> when I was employed. And, uh, um, and, I, and I described the office that I was managing as if there's a vent that the demons of hell come through to get in this world, it's in this office. I mean, I tell you what, I was, on a, I was in a major battle. This is what my prayer was. It was like the end of June, first part of July of that particular year. And I said, God, if you answer this prayer in August, I don't know if I can make it. So you know what he did? He answered it in November. <laughs> don't ever pray that prayer. But I made it. You've got to keep battling until the door breaks down. And I tell you what, how it went is I got all the way down to a major breakthrough, a major. Uh, it was actually the biggest financial blessing that we'd ever had at that time, a, a company through a, a headhunting firm. Uh, I don't think they use the word headhunters anymore, but if you're old enough, you know what that means. And uh, they hired me out. And, and the bonus that I got to, to transfer and everything, it was the biggest. It all came down to a close. And uh, and I was getting ready to make it. And it was like right now, it was like the middle of November. And so uh, I said, OK, I'll come to work with, for you for the first week of January. And they said, no, we need you now. I said, I can't. I had like a ten, eleven thousand dollar bonus coming, but I had to be employed as of December 31st to get the the um, the bonus. And I said, um, I can't. I've got a bonus coming. I've got to be employed by as of December 31st. I'll start with you on January 1st but I've got to be there on December 31st. They said, no, we can't. They said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you. And man, my heart sank. Everything, I mean, I've been standing since June fighting this thing. And I finally got the open door and all of a sudden it looks like it's going to fall apart. I tell you what, I wanted to give up. David wanted to give up, but I knew I couldn't give up. And I forced myself to, to not get discouraged, to keep praying. And uh, they called me back, I don't know, maybe later that day, the next day, and they said, uh, on this bonus that you said you're getting, can you provide uh, documentation that you're, you're actually getting that amount of bonus and that you have to be employed, you know, as of December 31st? I said, yeah, I've got all the documents, I'll send them to you. So I sent it, faxed them over that day to them, and they called me back and they said, okay, um, we'll pay the bonus for you. We want you to come to work right now. I said, praise God. And... Uh, um, I said, okay, what's my start date? I got to give a two-week notice. You know, that's only right. They said, okay, the Monday after, you know, the notice, come on that day. I said, praise God. And uh, actually, I think my bonus was around $13,000. And, you know, anytime in business when you're talking, you, and you're talking numbers, you talk gross, not net. I don't know what God did. Because I was talking gross, they were hearing net. And when they sent me the check, now, if I had got 13000 bonus, I probably would have got maybe ten, nine, something like that after they took all the taxes and everything out. Uh, and uh, they sent me a check for $22,000. It netted down to like the thirteen. And because of all the taxes that was paid on it, when I did my taxes, I got $6,000 back in a refund. And, and I'm a person that tries to get my, my taxes as close to zero. 
uh, as I can. God wants us to walk in. I'm not done, but I'm going to be done. God wants us to walk in this name. I've got to understand. It's got to become a reality in my spirit. It becomes the mindset that every problem is just a need for God to answer. And he said, I'll supply all your need. That everything that I encounter in this life that does not have a covenant with God is just an opportunity for God to be glorified. If I can stay out of fear, if I can stay out of worry, if I can say, stay out of distress, if I can stay out of anxiousness, if I can stay out of these things that try to rob my faith, and I can see, like 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, we don't look at the things that we see, because that's subject to change, but we look at the things which are not saying things, the things that God has said in His Word. Uh, those are the things that are eternal and are not subject to change. Stand. I've I've got to build this inside of me. I've got to hear, you've got to hear the spirit of what I've said. I, I have for probably close to an hour, I have exhorted you on the spiritual component of the word of God. But I guarantee you there's a battle in the natural realm of can this really work? But you've got to get out of the natural. I, I, I'm not just a teacher of, of facts and figures. These are things that I have lived and demonstrated that you can live off the word of God. Whatever you're facing right now in life, I don't care what it is, whatever you're facing right now, it's just the opportunity to God be, for God to be glorified. Yes. You just got to bring yourself into the walking into it. Is it fun? No, that story I just told, that was like the worst period of my life. I hated it. I wanted to run so many times. I wanted to, to get out of Dodge so many times. I wanted to just throw my hands up in the air. And, and what I, so many times I, I had to work on myself to stay in this. And I walked through this thing and I, I kicked the, the gate. I kicked the gate. I kicked the gate with the word of God. And finally the gate opened and I walked in the biggest blessing. That I, had ever, that I had ever received. I, I think when it was all said and done, what that company paid, this is back in the 1990s, what that company paid for, to get me to come work for them was something like about $45,000. And I got a good chunk of it. The, uh, the headhunter got some of it and everything like that. But they paid a lot of money to get me to show up because of what I started doing. Then I went into the new position, I, more money, more bonuses, different things like that. And then I, I got out of finance and uh, started on the direction I'm in right now. And I was preaching one day about that. And as I'm preaching, God interrupts me. Can you believe that? Oh, he's Lord. He can do that. And he said, son, you missed me. Thinking, how in the world did I miss you, man? Don't you remember you did this, you did this, you did that? And even when it looked like it's going to fall apart, you did this. Don't you remember all that? And he's he started showing me what his children do. That when they have a problem, they start asking for an answer. And once we ask God, He starts putting the the pathway back into blessing, abundance, and everything. And He said, What my children do is when when they're praying and asking for something, they just want the pressure off. And he said, son, that's all you wanted. 
Because if you would have continued doing what you did to get that breakthrough, you would have had so much more, but you missed out on everything else I was going to do because once the pressure was off, you stopped doing it. There's something in this realm of the Spirit. It's beyond what we can see. It's beyond what we can comprehend because we haven't walked there before. I I said it before when the disciples, I I think it was last week, when the disciples were just coming around to Jesus, they didn't really understand the power they could walk with. And when Jesus sent them out, they came back, wow, even devils are subject to your name. But then they tapped into something most of us have never tapped into. Peter's shadow eclipsed by God, healed the sick. That people would actually bring cots and bedding that they knew uh, Peter was going to walk this way so his shadow could hit them and they would, they'd get healed. He didn't even need to speak a word. The anointing was so strong on him. Somebody just get in their pres- his presence. They would do it. Paul, who was martyred by Nero, held back the government. I'm betwixt two, whether stay here longer, which is better for you, or go to heaven, which is needful for me. I'd rather do that because I I finished my work, but I know as soon as I leave, ravenous wolves are going to come in and mess with everybody and try to destroy it. And uh, so then finally he says, okay, I'm going. He he let go of the authority and then they executed. They could not execute him until he let go of the authority. We are struggling over minor things that are not even struggles. God wants you and I to live in a better realm than what we're living in right now, but we're so encapsulated. Our mindset is such, how could this ever change? I don't know, but I can tell you this for sure. We don't know how many apples are in an apple seed. It's a miracle. If we will rely on the word of God, shut our brain down and quit letting it go to every thought that comes in our brain, deal with the matter of fear, Get a realization of the covenant that we have and start walking on it. I am going to prove that this works. I don't care if I die in the process. I am going to prove that this works. I'm going to prove that I can overcome everything that tries to come against me.